Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and I'm going to be joined by the one and only Noah Magaro-George of Pounding the Rock. Uh, Noah, are you excited about the upcoming Spurs season? I definitely am. I'm super excited for them to get out there, play some basketball, because win or lose, I just want to see what they can do. And, you know, we're, we're kind of blessed to have basketball back. You know, that wasn't a given considering the, you know, the pandemic that's still going on. So I'm just happy to see basketball be back. I am too. I'm excited to see some San Antonio Spurs basketball once again. Um, one of the things I can uh, kind of tell you right now is there's a lot of uncertainty going into this season. I, I think a lot of Spurs fans don't really quite know what to expect. They're they're hoping for the best. Let's let's put it like that. And me being a realist and being realistic, everybody thinks I'm going to be uh, giving negative comments. You know, have a negative outlook on the season. But but that's not the case at all. I mean, there's a lot of good things that you can look at in this upcoming season that we're going to go ahead and talk about. And one of those is, as we have stated time and time again, is the development of these the younger core. You know, the, this younger generation of Spurs player kind of coming into their own now. Uh, you know, Coach Pop had said prior to the season starting that he wanted to go ahead and start playing the younger players more, giving them some run and we can't expect this team to get better overnight. It's going to be a process and the younger core can't get better without the experience. So I think that's, what's going to happen this coming season is we're going to look to see if these, if these younger players get some, some uh, let's say run out there that will translate into them getting some productive minutes out there on the court, because we know coach pop will more than likely change the lineup several times and he's going to probably wind up rolling out with a lineup that Spurs fans absolutely hate. And that's going to be a healthy dose of veteran players. And unfortunately, not a lot of playing time to go around for the younger uh, the younger Spurs players. So uh, what do you think uh, as far as the assessment goes? You think we're going to see the young guns come right out of the gate or it's going to be veterans first and then kind of, you know, kind of insert them into the lineup here and there? Yeah, I think we're going to get a little bit of a, you know, maybe a healthy dose of both. We saw Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, um, you know, Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan get some good run in the preseason. And I kind of expect them to continue getting minutes. And, you know, maybe throughout the season, we see the young guys play more and more. But I think it's more likely that if they move on from one of their vets, you know, either trading them or they end up benching them because they decide, look, the season's not working out. Let's just see what our young guys can do. Then we'll see more of the young guys. I just think it's very unlikely that these veterans get put on the back burner significantly at any point this season if they're still on the roster because they're trying to, you know, build their trade value. If that's what you're looking to do, if you're trying to, you know, trade any of these guys by the deadline, you know, benching them doesn't make sense. That shows teams that a losing team cannot find room for these veterans. So why would a winning team want them? You know, so I think you know, as much as Spurs fans don't want to see this, we're going to see a lot of Patty. We're going to see a lot of Rudy. We're going to see a lot of LaMarcus and a lot of DeMar. Uh, but we're also at the start of the season, probably going to see a lot of Devin Vassell. We're probably going to see a lot of Keldon Johnson and Derek White once they come back to the lineup. So, you know, it's a healthy mix, I think. But at the end of the season, um, you know, whether they make a trade or whether they, uh, you know, end up benching these guys, we'll just have to wait and see because a lot of that is going to be determined by how well they start the season. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so one of the things that we want to touch on real quick here is what are our starting lineups going to look like realistically when we're starting this first game or first couple of games? You know, Spurs fans, again, they they have 
their expectations pretty high when it comes to their starting lineups. And they're going to get very creative when it comes to their starting lineups and who should be in there, who shouldn't be in there, who's going to give us the best chance of winning. You know, there's going to be tons of scenarios playing out. One of the the starting five that's kind of got my eye, because uh, I want to see them play it on the court at the same time, is can we insert DeJounte Murray and Derek White at the same time, you know? There's been different scenarios that have been played out, and they have, of course, DeJounte Murray being the starting point guard. Then they're moving Derek White to the SG shooting guard position. Then as small forward, we have DeMar DeRozan, power forward, LaMarcus Aldridge, and at your center, you have one Yaka Portal. I kind of like this starting five. You know, to me, it would be a lot of fun to, to watch this starting five go out there and compete on any given night or for the first couple of games. Um, I know, again, different scenarios and Coach Pop will probably wind up playing depending on matchups and all this and things can change. But we haven't really seen a lot of DeJounte and Derek at the same time on the court. Pop kind of likes to rotate them in and out. One comes off the bench, another one gets inserted to kind of help run that that second unit. Uh, What do you think? I mean, would you like to see that starting five? You know, I think maybe a few years ago I might have, but with LaMarcus Aldridge, he's, you know, heading quickly towards his 36th birthday. He's lost a lot of his mobility and pretty much the last couple of seasons, we've seen him use him exclusively in drop coverage where he's covering the pick and roll, but he's not going to switch onto the, um, onto the smaller guy on the perimeter. He's just going to try to contain anything that is coming into the paint. And for that reason alone, it's at this point in his career, he's just not quick enough to keep up with forwards. Um, I don't even think, you know, most average power forwards, I don't think he has that mobility, the foot speed anymore. And with Jakob, I like that. I like him. I think he can do that. But I think if you're playing them together, it's going to be tough because LaMarcus can shoot the three ball. We know that, right? We know we can shoot the three ball, but we need to seed it over an entire season. So I think you're losing a lot of spacing. I think DeJounte's probably going to get better as a standstill shooter or stay where he is. I just think the spacing is going to be tough there. I also think defensively it's going to be a little bit rough. LaMarcus is still a solid rim protector, but overall not a great defender. You got DeMar, who's really not a big effort defender. Um, and I, I'm just not really sure how that works. Uh, but I do like the idea of Derek and DeJounte playing together. You know, we haven't seen it a lot. It's looked pretty solid when they're together. But again, it's another thing that like we're going to have to see it for us an entire season before we say, you know, this is definitively something that's going to work. Yeah, I know that Spurs fans were getting on one Trey Lyles early on in, in preseason play because he did not look very good. I'm going to be honest with you. He just just didn't couldn't find his rhythm, couldn't hit shots. He had open looks, open threes, open mid-range jumpers, you know, even some point blank shots, you know, layups that were easy, easy twos, you know, easy makes. He just didn't he just doesn't seem like the same type of player right now. I don't know if it's something else going on behind the scenes that we don't know about injury. It could just be Coach Pop calling on him to play different positions out there on the court as far as spacing goes. We don't really know what the assignment is, um, but he just doesn't look very comfortable in the Spurs offense early on right now, especially in that preseason. Hopefully things can get changed around and he'll find his rhythm and he'll be more comfortable in that in that Spurs offense come the regular season. We need him to be comfortable come game one because the Spurs have an upcoming gamut of games that I don't know, Noah, this this start to the season kind of scares me with the teams that they have in front of them. I mean, they're going to be playing the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, to to start off the season. And then after that, they play the Raptors. Then they have the Pelicans and the Pelicans are no slouches either on paper. And yeah. I told I told fans this before 
the Pelicans have a more athletic squad than the San Antonio Spurs. The only thing that the Pelicans don't have on the Spurs is the experience because we have more uh, veteran leaders on, on this team. Uh, but as far as the athleticism, the quickness, they have that in spades. They have a very good young team uh, and they can be sneaky good this season. They, they could probably steal that uh, that play in game away from us if we're not careful. So we, we definitely can't take them for granted. And then they play the Lakers three times, Noah. Three times yeah. they play them on a back to back. I'm like, who who made this schedule? Uh, and then they play the Jazz. Then they play the Clippers. And I'm just like, they play the Timberwolves, which that one, you know, that that you never know. You know, the way the Spurs are, they could beat the Lakers twice and then all of a sudden get blown out by the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, it happens. That's so true. That's so, so true. <laughs> it's, it, it can happen. But realistically, we could go into the season starting 0-8, you know, uh, I, unlikely yeah. that that might happen. I mean, it's a real world scenario that could take place. Uh, we just hope that this team is ready. Maybe they can go ahead and sneak one in there somewhere. But I mean, what do you think of this, uh, you know, this season starting up against some of the better players in the West? Yeah. So, you know, I've talked to some fans about this and other writers about this. And it's like, look, the Spurs are probably going to start off the season pretty poorly. I mean, they're missing Keldon. They're missing Derek. Those are two integral pieces to their lineup. Um, they're going to have to lean on other guys. And I think eventually the lineup is probably going to, you know, the 10-man lineup is going to look something like LaMarcus DeMar, Keldon DeJounte, Derek, Patty, Lonnie, Vassell, Gay, and Pirtle. That's their 10-man lineup, you know, when everyone's healthy. But no, not everyone's healthy right now. And they're playing teams that, you know, they have some continuity. They have experience. They are good rosters. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not just slouches like you mentioned. Everybody they're playing, even the teams that you go, you know, maybe they could win. Like even the Timberwolves got better. The Pelicans <laughs> got better. So I, I'm a little worried for them at the start of the season. But at the end of the day, it's going to be it's going to be a tough, tough road. It's going to be a tough road to getting even a couple of wins. And I think even if they lose these games, you know, not the worst thing. It's a little adversity at the start of the season. And maybe it even triggers that youth movement, you know, the full on youth movement a little sooner than we might have expected. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be upset if they lose because I'm not expecting the Spurs to be particularly good this season, even if that's not what fans want to hear. But, you know, it's it's going to be Spurs basketball. We're going to we're going to see something new. We're going to probably see a little bit of small ball and, and they're going to be integrating Trey Lyles and LaMarcus Aldridge back into it. So, you know, I'm excited to see what they produce, even if it isn't perfect at the beginning. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I'm thinking, you know, going into this season, you just got to have an open mind because it, it's a growing process. You know, there's going to be a lot of growing pains in, in the beginning of the season, a lot of growing pains. It's going to be almost painful. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting three, four games into the season, Spurs fans are going to be calling for people's jobs. Why aren't we making trades? You know, the sky is falling, you know, hit the panic button already. I'm just like, look, we got 72 games. You know, we're not going to do the 82 game uh, regular season. It's going to be shortened by 10 uh, games. But nonetheless, there's still a lot of basketball to be played in one regular season. Teams go through stretches where they go on losing streaks. They have issues in the start of the season. They find you know, continuity as the season starts to unfold and they get better. I'm sure that the Spurs will get better as the season unfolds. But realistically, what we could be looking at is maybe they match the same record they had in the prior season or they do worse. Uh, either way, just don't go into the season thinking that this team is going to be making the playoffs. Just enjoy what's happening from game to game on any given night. There's going to be wins there's going to be losses. But in between that, there's a lot of things that you can look at 
especially if you're a steward, if you're a fan of basketball, uh, and look to see the growth that these younger players are going to take. You know, look to see who's going to take that next step, that next step in the evolution of becoming a better role player for this team. Because let's face it, no, at the end of the day, the stir the Spurs, they're not a star-laden team. There's not one player on here who's going to say, oh, he's going to make the, the NBA All-Star game. He's going to be an All-Star for sure. No, we're we're a team that's full of role players. So everybody has to play their role to perfection or play well on any given night to give this team the best chance of winning. And when one of those or two of those pieces aren't clicking or not producing, uh, we're going to be in trouble. And one of the things I want to talk about specifically is our three-point shooting. Uh, we've looked yeah. atrocious coming into uh, this preseason as far as the first three games. And uh, now we're going to be going into the regular season. I don't see how the Spurs three-point shooting is going to fare any better uh, when the absence of one Bryn Forbes, which a lot of Spurs fans didn't like because, let's face it, he was a, a liability on the defensive end. But he was one of our better three-point shooters out there. Uh, now that we've lost him, somebody has to step up. Who do you think that next person will be to step up? And do you think the Spurs are going to be better or worse from beyond the arc this season? You know, at first I was a little bit worried about them replacing Marco and Bren because those two guys, you know, they, they accounted for 28% of the three-point makes and attempts. But when you look at it, I think you got a guy like Lonnie, you got a guy like Derek, who they are, are more dynamic shooters than static shooters. Like, for, for instance, you know, LaMarcus and DeJounte, they're just standstill. You know, they're going to catch and shoot. They're not going to be on the move. They're not running off screens. They're not going to shoot off the dribble. But I think Derek and Lonnie can do a little bit of that. And if they can kind of up their production and maintain at the very least their percentages, I think the Spurs will be okay. I still think they're going to be one of the lowest volume three-point shooting teams in the league. But I think their percentages should be just fine. I think as they get their legs under them, as they get, you know, a little bit more chemistry between each other and they find each other, uh, you know, good spots on the perimeter, I think they'll be just fine. I think they'll be okay. But at the end of the day, I don't expect the Spurs to be – um, you know, an elite three-point shooting team. Yeah. I think they may shoot a few more, but even a few more only puts them in the, you know, 20 to 23 range in terms of where they would rank in attempts per game. So I'm not really looking for the Spurs to be this prolific three-point shooting team, but I do think that they can be okay. I also think Devin Vassell is going to be um, someone to watch because I think he showed at Florida State that he can do a little bit more than just stand still three-point shooting. He can be a little bit more more dynamic. Um, but that's just all going to depend on how much he plays. Cause I think he will play at the beginning of the season and I think he'll solidify his role, but you know, I don't think his role at this point is shooting a ton of shots or them going to him and saying, Hey, get us a bucket or, you know, go get us points when we need it. Because I don't think that's the role he's going to have to begin his career. Yeah. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about as well. Uh, Spurs fans are, were very impressed with one Devin Vassell, including myself. And preseason play and warranted we we had an we had the right to be because what we saw this young man do on both ends of the ball was amazing. You know, not only was he fearless, just attacking the rim, great defender, high IQ, uh, knows when to, you know, turn it on, knows when to turn it off. He just knows when to pace himself correctly. He knows exactly when he should go ahead and be aggressive and be a slasher going to the rim. He knows when he should be a little bit more patient and set up his teammates, you know, very, very high IQ. Um, very well coached, you know, coming out of uh, college over there in Florida. Um, so I have high expectations for him, and he's really impressed a lot of these fans. I, I would like to see him play more in the regular season, but we all know how, how Coach Popovich is, and that's likely 
not to happen, you know, because he notoriously he would like his younger players to develop a little bit more um, and kind of, you know, tool some of the, the aspects of the game that he feels that they need to work on to to reach that NBA level, you know, because game the game moves a little faster and the talent pulls a little bit more, uh, a, a lot better. Let's put it like that. But since we might have a G League, we don't really know uh, what the plan is in regards to that at this point in time. Um, it's kind of like throw them into the fire, man. Let's see what the kids got. You know, showed a lot of promise. I, I want to see him play, you know, and I, I just don't think we're going to see a lot of that, you know. You know, actually, I would say quite the opposite. You know, I, I think fans a lot of times get caught up in this notion that, well, Pop just throws everyone in the G League. And, you know, that isn't necessarily true. We see guys like Gary Neal, Dewan Blair, um, George Hill. Kawhi Leonard, they all earned minutes as rookies because they were all ready to play in the NBA. You know, maybe they weren't the best versions of themselves, but they were definitely ready to come play right away, make an impact, and not be liabilities on either end. And that's exactly what Devin Vassell is. When I wrote about him coming into the league before the draft, you know, that's one of the things that I wrote about him. And I said, hey, you know, this kid is NBA ready. You throw him on any team, he'll be just fine. And even on a team like the Spurs that isn't very good, I think that helps him more so than hurts him in terms of him getting minutes. Because you look at Keldon a year ago, I thought Keldon was NBA ready. He doesn't need to be in the G League. Um, but ultimately, it did benefit him. But the thing with Keldon is, when you look at him in comparison to Lonnie or DeJounte or Derek, I didn't think he was so much better or worse than any of those guys that he necessarily needed to be playing right then and there. That it was just like an atrocity if he doesn't play. If Devin Bethel doesn't play as a rookie, that's just a mistake. That's a huge mistake because one, we we may not want to admit it, and people may think I'm saying this prematurely, but having watched all of his college tape, uh, this kid is better than Keldon. This kid is better than Lonnie. This kid is arguably more further along than DeJounte is. And I know DeJounte is a pretty solid player, but his decision-making is what stands out to me. DeJounte has a lot of lapses in terms of decision-making. He turns the ball over quite a bit. He takes questionable shots. He still struggles a bit to finish at the rim. And Devin Vassell, he's incredibly intelligent. Not saying any of the other players the Spurs have are not intelligent because all these guys are great basketball players. They all understand the game. But Devin Vassell is a step ahead. On the defensive end, he knows exactly where to be. He knows how to stunt, dig, rotate. He know, All that small stuff that you want to see from your veterans, he's doing that as a rookie. And he's going to be one of the best team defenders in the NBA this season, You know, regardless of rookie, sophomore, you know, 10-year vet. It won't matter. He's really that good on that end. And on the other end, he doesn't need the ball to score. He cuts, he relocates, he finds ways to get open. They don't need to draw a place for him. And that was kind of the case at Florida State. You know, they didn't really yeah. run a lot of plays for him. And he still was able to lead that team in scoring. He was clearly their best offensive asset. And I think in the NBA, there's no reason he wouldn't, shouldn't be playing for a Spurs team that isn't going to be very good. So I think, you know, right away at the beginning of the season, they're going to play him out of necessity. But by the time all these other guys are healthy... I think Pop's going to look and say, hey, this kid is a lot better than anything else we got right now. So yeah. I, I don't worry about him playing. And, you know, maybe Trey, maybe Trey gets the G League treatment because of the depth. I think he's another guy who has a really good head on his shoulders that understands the game, um, you know, comes from really nice basketball pedigree. But Trey's not going to get that same opportunity. I think Devin will. You know, he's the Spurs' first lottery pick in more than two decades. And he's the damn, damn good player. You know, he's a damn good player. And there's no reason he shouldn't play. And I think we're going to see him continue to play throughout the entirety of his rookie season. Yeah, you heard it here first. Noah's going ahead and giving you all the OK Spurs Twitter to go out and buy your, your Devin Vassil Spurs jersey. Go ahead and get it. It's a safe bet. 
<laughs> but I'd like to see the kid play a little bit more. You know, I definitely would like to see him play this season and get some significant minutes out there. The one thing that I can say that I like as far as the styles of play of both Devin Vassil and Keldon Johnson is their aggression. You know, that's been something that's kind of been lacking a little bit in this Spurs roster. Everybody's just trying to play it safe. And granted, they don't want to make a lot of mistakes out there on the court because they know where their strengths and their weaknesses lie. And if they make a mistake, that can easily go the other way for an easy easy bucket. And then they're going to get yelled at by Coach Pop and probably be delegated to the bench for a bit because they're going to be in Coach Pop's doghouse for making uh, stupid mistakes. So that's why they're yeah. very uh, careful out there as far as what they're doing. But I like the aggression uh, of both Keldon and, and Devin Vassil as far as them just attacking the rim, not even afraid of who's in front of them. They don't they could care less. They want to go in there. They want to kill you. You know, and that's one of the things that I've liked so much about that is that we've lacked that uh, from from the last couple of seasons, that aggression. Uh, and I, I love to see it. You love to see it. If you get up there and you make the shot, it turns into an and one, which just helps your team, slows down the clock a little bit, you know, pauses everything for a quick minute, especially if you're, let's say, in a heated battle and you're in the fourth yeah. quarter, you know. So that's yeah. that's what I like, you know, when they're if they're in that type of scenario it's going to benefit these younger players because they're going to get that experience. And at the same time, they're going to get praise because they're helping their team. So aggression is a good thing because it's infectious, Noah. Yeah. And I agree. And I think another point that's worth mentioning is with the guy like DeJounte with someone like Lonnie, I think the reason that they struggle with being aggressive is because their role is not really that well defined. When you think yeah. of Lonnie, you think, okay, well, preferably he'd be someone who is aggressive and looking to score but that guy kind of needs the ball in his hands. And Lonnie doesn't have the ball in his hands that often. With DeJounte, I, I've said it before, but I think he's been miscast as a point guard or a distributor, whatever you want to call it, because I don't think he's a guy who runs the offense. But he's been miscast that way. So I think he struggles with like, what do I do? I, I don't know when to distribute and when to be aggressive. I don't know what my role is really. But with like Derek, Keldon, and um, Devin, they're all guys that know what they should be doing. They don't need the ball in their hand to score. They can cut to the basket. They can run around the perimeter. Um, they don't. They don't necessarily need that ball now. When Derek was given the ball, you know, we saw what he could do. And I think when he was given the green light, he was confident. And because he was also capable of running an offense and scoring and balancing the two, it worked out just fine. And so I think that's where they differ a little bit. Like so many of these guys on their team, it's like, what is their role exactly? Because there's so many guys from, you know, LaMarcus to Rudy to DeMar um, to all the guys I just mentioned who need touches, but there are only so many touches to go around. So it gets a little bit confusing figuring out how to distribute that evenly and keep people happy and maintain a rhythm for these guys. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting season, but I, I like Keldon and Devin and I like Derek. Those are three guys who I'm confident are going to be just fine this season. Oh, no doubt. And I'd like to kind of circle back here and talk a little bit about DeJounte. Uh, a lot of Spurs fans have voiced their displeasure uh, with DeJounte Murray. And one of the questions, you know, looking at some of these articles that have been written about him, looking at his stats, looking at even video of him playing in, in prior seasons when he was healthy with the San Antonio Spurs, um, he looked great, you know, prior to his injury. Then after the injury, things kind of changed for him a little bit. He was coming off injury, coming into the season, probably was not 100%, you know, on on his recovered from his injury. He's probably still in the back of his head and it he should it should be, you know? I mean, you don't feel 100 when you're coming back from an injury like that. You know, it takes you a little bit of time to trust 
that you're you've healed up and you can do the things you did before. And we kind of saw that he played better, I think, in the Spurs bubble. Uh, and Spurs fans were okay. Well, you know, they they had some hope for him. But coming into this season, you know, in the preseason, they just saw a little bit more of the same, and and that's when they're starting to make their assumptions. And one of the things that I did see that that I'd like to ask you, I think at times maybe Dejounte's ceiling was higher than what we thought. I think at this point in time, he is who he is, and for better or for worse, we're we're kind of stuck with the guy, you know, because of the the contract that he has. He's locked in for quite some time. So regardless of what Spurs fans uh, think about him or not, um, he is who he is at this point in time. We're, we're going to have to roll with him. And the only thing we can hope is that he will get better. He is be- he is good. Don't get me wrong on the defensive end of the ball. He plays great defense out in the open court. He gets after it. He goes after his his assignment, you know, or he goes after the opposing team's uh, slasher if they're trying to run to the rim. And you like the fact that he doesn't give up on that play. He's going at it. He wants to see if he can go ahead and and get a last minute block or he's good at uh, the playing the passing lanes as far as getting steals, picking balls off, you know, things of that nature. And I think that's where he he excels as far as a defender. Now, the issue that a lot of Spurs fans, including myself, have with him at times is, as you stated, his decision making with the ball, the inability to to have that court vision that a point guard should at this point in time. And as far as, you know, his career goes this far in his career, he should be uh, well along the line more so than than he is right now. So there's a lot of little things, you know, that they we can nit, nitpick about him, but he can correct these things. And I, I still say the jury's out on him. Let's give him this season and really see what he can do before we we start passing all this judgment on him. I know a lot of fans have given up on him, but I have not yet. I'll go on record saying that I want to see what he can do this season before I say anything else that is, is negative towards one DeJounte Murray. But what do you think about the ceiling? Do you think he's met it or is there still a higher ceiling for him? I think maybe there's a little bit more for him to uncover. I think he, you're probably right. He's somewhat is what he is going to be. But I also, like I mentioned earlier, I think he has been miscast as a point guard. And so many fans want to see point guard, point guard, a guy who's running the offense, who's making good decisions, who's making split decisions. But to be honest with you, that aspect of the game, the court vision, the feel for the game, those are things that are just either you have it or you don't. It's kind of hard to teach someone, right? How many guys come to the league and aren't point guards and then suddenly, you know, they're great point guards down the line. Now, he did come into the league as a point guard, but he wasn't like an elite point guard in college, not for Washington. You know, he's solid. That's what they asked him to do. But we're not going to go and pretend that he was some, you know, elite dimer who was finding his teammates everywhere and where everyone was on the floor. That just isn't him. And I think the same thing kind of can be said for Marcus Smart, you know, with with the Celtics. Elite defender, but kind of miscast as a point guard. But we've seen as the Celtics have kind of gone, okay, we don't need him to be a point guard. What we need him is to be someone who can relocate off ball, who can cut to the rim who can run an offense in a pinch, but isn't the guy who's initiating every time down. And we've seen Marcus Smart's value rise immensely. And I think if they can do that with uh, DeJounte, I think they're putting themselves and him in a good position to succeed. Because if you're looking at DeJounte as a point guard, again, I I don't think that's what he is. I think what he is is more of a secondary, tertiary playmaker who has some shooting potential. And maybe if you can unlock that, you're going to get the best version of him. 
But if you're going to continue to ask him to try to be a point guard and run an NBA offense full time, I think you're just leaving him open to failing, but also open to criticism from fans who are going to be expecting, you know, better. They're going to be expecting better than what he's producing. So, no, I don't think DeJounte is a, a bust because he was the 29th pick. You know, many not many picks that low are as good as he is right now. So even for his contract extension value, I still think he's a good value. All he is is a shooting guard who can run the offense sometimes and can shoot and is an elite defender because there's not a lot of players who can say that. Yeah, you know, so there you have it. Let's let's just uh, kind of pump the brakes a little bit on DeJounte. Let's see what he could do uh, this coming season. Uh, but I want to talk about the Spurs offense and what we've seen in, in preseason play. One of the things that I've noticed, and it's been something that kind of hurt the team, is that there's no fluidity to the offense, meaning we see a lot of the, the players kind of spreading, trying to spread the opposing team's defense by spreading the floor. You know, as far as that spacing goes, they're camped out behind the three point line. They're camped out, you know, probably, you know, maybe a good 20, 25 feet away um, from the rim. And they're they're trying to get that spacing on the floor to get themselves set up for either uh, a mid range jumper or somebody's camping out to see if they're going to have the ball kicked out to them so they can go ahead and knock down a three. Now, here's the issue with that when you're trying to space or, or spread the floor like that. If you're not knocking down your shots the other team isn't going to respect you. And all they're going to do is, is they're going to clout the lane. They're going to sit there. They're going to camp out. It's going to make it, make it harder for LaMarcus and, De, and DeMar DeRozan to get buckets. You know, they're going to need an awful lot of touches to get 20-plus points. And that's not going to be conducive to the Spurs' winning culture. You're not going to win a lot of games doing that if you can't knock down your perimeter shots and you can't knock down three-point shots. Because, again, that team is going to be like, go ahead and take it. We dare you. You know, you've missed 20. You're going to make one. So be it. We'll live with it, you know. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of screens. I haven't seen a lot of picks. And that kind of concerns me a little bit. I, I want to see a little bit more of that. I need to see more movement to the offense. I just don't want it to get stagnant and stale because when the ball sticks, bad things happen. And we've seen that happen last season. And if they don't get it that if they're not getting that movement to the offense, I don't know if they're going to be able to match the win total that they had in the prior season, because right now, again, they're playing with younger players. But again, they're less experienced players and they need to get that movement, I think, to that to the offense to give them the best chances of being competitive and also winning games. Uh, did you notice that observation as well? Yeah, a little bit. It was stagnant. Um, you know, there wasn't as much motion. There wasn't as many people setting screens or running around the perimeter or anything like that. But I think that's also a product of like they're trying to figure out how to integrate LaMarcus, a guy who's traditionally been someone who you sit in the post and you try to get him a bunch of touches. And now they're trying to swim out to the three-point line and they're trying to figure it out. And it's a tough process. I, you know, I, I think fans and, and, and people in the media also don't realize, you know, how tough it is to integrate somebody who is used to getting – I don't know, maybe 20, 30, 40 touches a game, yeah. you know, easily. Now you're asking him to switch how he plays and you're still trying to get him, you know, a similar amount of touches. That's not easy. And I don't know. I was kind of worried with the Spurs this season that their half court offense was going to struggle. And I think we're seeing that kind of come into place in the preseason. You know, they don't have a lot of guys who you can just hand the ball to and say, go get me a bucket. 
you know, yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge a little bit, though I think that's probably going to take a step back. As I mentioned, he's lost some mobility. He's no longer going to be operating in the post as much. And then DeMar, he's a guy who you definitely know can do that. But who else? You know, DeJounte's not a guy who you give the ball and say, get me a bucket every time down. Uh, Derek maybe, but he's not going to be there. Keldon's still not that guy. Devin Vassell's probably not there either. You know, maybe one day, but not right now. Um, Lonnie is still not that guy. So it's going to be tough. You know, there aren't a lot of guys on this roster who you can just give the ball to and hope they get a bucket. Like even if you look at other teams across the league, like with the Utah Jazz, sure, they're going to struggle to to score. But you got Donovan Mitchell. You know he's going to get a point every time down if he wants to. And then off the bench, you got a guy like Jordan Clarkson who can get you a bucket. The Spurs have Patty Mills. He can kind of do that, but he's also not a guy who's going to get you points when you need him to. You know, he's not like automatic offense. He's somebody who can go hot and cold. He's, you know, going to try to find his shot. He's going to try to get to the rim, but most of his attempts aren't at the rim because he's so small. He plays below the rim. He gets a lot of shots swatted. So it's going to be tough to watch, but I think if they can force transition possessions as much as they can, you know, try to get out and run and, and you know, force fast breaks off of defense, off defense and forcing turnovers, that's going to be where they're their best. But again, that's not going to be the majority of your offense. And for that reason, it's probably going to be a little bit ugly in the half court. Yeah, I I agree with you in that regard because when we've seen the the half court offense, it just does not look good at all. Uh, one of the other things I'd like to mention too is they look great when they're in the open court. When they're running the ball yeah. up and down the court, it's like I think that's where they're at their best. You know because yep. they're athletic. You know they have some of the athletic younger players out there that can actually run the floor, and you have Demar Derozan yep. who likes that style of play. You know, so I think that's conducive to to kind of better suit what what will help them be competitive and help them win. But again, the other teams right away know yeah, if we can get back on that transition defense and get them to play that half court offense, it's going to play to their favor. You know, as far as the opposing team's defense, and they're going to force the Spurs to take those perimeter jumpers, and hopefully they can knock them down. But as we've seen against the Houston Rockets, they can get very hot and cold. You know, it, it's not. And I think it's going to be like that for most of the season. No, I think they're going to have quarters where they're extremely hot. And they're going to just shoot lights out. And then all of a sudden they're just going to go cold as ice, you know, and then again, they're going to get a little heat going on them. You know, as we've seen that they can do that when they're coming out of the third. But I think that's going to be the quarters to watch this coming season because the Spurs notoriously, they have not had great third quarters. And I think that's been the the killer for them. And when they come back out, you know, at a halftime, they're out there on the court again. It just seems like they just can't get it going right away in that third quarter. And again, if you can't match the other team's intensity as far as scoring buckets and, and they're just going to put it on you and they're going to go up on you by 10 or 12 points. We, we've seen that it's hard for this person to try to climb back in when they go down by double digits, you know, and that's one of the things that scares me going into this season is that third quarter. How productive are they going to be in those third quarters? They they can't have many lapses. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And I think the fourth quarter is also a big deal because, you know, the game kind of slows down in the fourth quarter, right? Teams are taking longer possessions at the end of the game because they're trying to run out the shot clock because they're either up or they're down. So one team's trying to go quick and get points and the other team is really trying to slow it down. And when you look at that, you know, DeMar DeRozan, excellent in the bubble he was the second highest fourth quarter scorer in the bubble but traditionally that hasn't been uh the story for him 
You know, traditionally he has struggled in the fourth quarter to knock down shots, to knock down free throws when it matters. And that's what scares me. Like if even if the Spurs have a good third quarter, who's your closer? You know, is DeMar going to be that guy? He was for eight games. Anybody can be that good for eight games, though. I mean, look at DeMar for a stretch of the season. There was a time where he was averaging more than 20 points and shooting better than 50% from the field for like 13 straight games. So anyone can do something, you know, spectacular for, you know, eight, nine, ten games. But for an entire season to be a closer like that, especially when the Spurs don't really have other guys and they can double team DeMar, they can kind of filter him away from, uh, you know, the basket. I I don't know. I really don't know. So the second half of games is probably going to be incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, And and it's it's a point of concern. It is a real point of concern. But Again, this season really is to me more to watch the development of these young guys and find the direction of this team because they're really not quite at a rebuild, but they're not quite competitive. They're somewhere in the middle. They're somewhere in the middle. And to me, you got to commit to one or the other and you're not a title contender. So there's no point. There's no point in, you know, committing to, you know, full out. Let's go to the playoffs. Let's, you know, try to get the best assets we can. Like if they traded Lonnie and Keldon, try to get you know, a, a second, third tier level player, that would be upsetting. You might as well just try to rebuild. And I'm not saying you should intentionally lose games, but if you hand the ball to young guys, <clears throat> you let them run your offense. Not a lot of young teams win games because they just don't have that experience. They don't know how to close, but that's how you get them experience. You know, you let them be in those situations. And then if you're in the lottery again, hey, the 2021 lottery is pretty good. That it is. You can have some potentially some some franchise-changing players in this uh, upcoming draft. So the Spurs do not have to tank. They can keep doing what they're doing. And if they win 32 games, if they don't, hey, it's okay because that upcoming draft is stacked and we could have a franchise-changing player hidden in there somewhere. Uh, and if they win a 30, you know, 32, 28 games or a little less than that, we know that they're going to wind up getting at least a top 10 pick, which is not a bad thing, you know? Um, no, and, absolutely not. And one of the things I'd like to point out, too, is I have loved watching FIBA Patty, man. I've loved watching me some Patty Mills. No, I was saying, you know, FIBA Patty, I've loved seeing FIBA Patty, you know, in preseason. He even said that he was going to play, you know, like he did in the FIBA tournament. And you, you got to respect that, man. He's like, I still got a lot of game in me. And he does. Patty Mills does. He's like the Energizer Bunny out there. He, whatever minutes Coach Pop gives him, he goes out there and he tries to do the best he can. I've always respected that about Patty. And he's been pretty good. You know, he's been knocking down his shots and doing just about everything that Coach Pop asked of him. You you couldn't, you know, praise him anymore for that, especially at, at his age. He's more of the seasoned veteran of the San Antonio Spurs team right now. And he's still playing at a really high level. A lot of energy out there on the court, just zipping around everywhere. I, I love FIBA Patty. What do you think, Noah? Man, I, I, I hate to be this like Debbie Downer, but I, I like Patty. I think he's probably best suited in the role he played last season where it was similar to his FIBA style, but it wasn't full throttle where he's taking, you know, pretty much every shot that he can get. Yeah. Um, and, and the only reason I dislike that is because it takes away touches from the young guys who need it. it Patty does. doesn't need to develop anymore. You know, Patty is 32 or 33 years old now, um, and he's probably going to transition more to the bench every single season after this because guys don't get better after their 30th <laughs> birthday usually, right? Like that's that's just not the, the the case with most guys. And I love Patty. I love seeing him play aggressive. So fun to watch him play. He's playing for Team Australia. Uh, it's been kind of fun watching him do this. But I think like the realist in me goes, okay, 
I'm happy for Patty. It's fun, but it's not conducive to this development that you want to see from the young guys. So maybe tell somebody's got to tell Patty it. It can't be me. I don't want to break his heart, but got to tell him maybe take a step back, just a few steps back because you know this isn't the Patty show. This team is not going to be built around Patty in the next three or four years. It's going to be built around these young guys and whoever they end up adding through the draft. So I love Patty, but he, he cannot be taking you know, 10, 15 shots a game. That is just not going to fly. Damn you, Noah. Let me enjoy my FIBA Patty, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been fun. It, is, it has been so much fun watching him play because Patty is my favorite Spur. You know, he's just, he embodies everything that it is to be a San Antonio Spur. He's selfless. He's a great member of the community, great teammate. Um, you know, just a spark plug out there, a little energizer bunny on both ends. So you, you can't hate Patty. You got to love him. But um, God, it, 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 and it pains me to say it, but he's got to take just one little step back maybe. Yeah, I think he did that in the bubble. You know, he he knew and he was imparting his knowledge onto the younger players, which I think is something that is priceless. You know, he's willing to to share that knowledge and help this team grow, which you love to see. You know, the same thing goes with DeMar. He's just out there. And you even saw him several times talking with Devin Vassil, uh, just impressed by that young man, imparting his knowledge, giving him tips as, as far as what he can do out there on the court to get better. Uh, you love to see that, man. The, this is imparting that knowledge to the next generation of Spurs player. And I'd like to go ahead and talk about one more thing here before we start bringing the show to an end. And that is Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. I mean, he, he, he looks good in limited minutes. And I think coach pop needs to play him in a little bit less this season. Uh, he's getting up there in age. He shows that he can still be productive out there. But again, you have to be careful in how you play him, how many minutes you're going to play him per game because he's shown that he's prone to injury because he's getting older, you know, and, and that just goes to show you what happens with some of these seasoned vets. You like him out there on the court because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But again, you have to watch it with those minutes because you want to go ahead and give the minutes to the younger players uh, so they can get that experience they need to take this team to the next level and, and vie for, you know, uh, a run in postseason, which Spurs fans, we might not see that this season. Just just be warned. Um, but you have to get these, these younger players better. And that sometimes means like we you just stated, you have one Patty Mills or two Rudy Gay take a step back and Coach Pop might just have to say, hey, we're going to have to cut your minutes because we'd like to give some of these minutes to these younger players. You know, uh, I think that that, in fact, could happen sometime this season. No, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, honestly, with Rudy Gay at this point, I'm just ready for them to move on from Rudy Gay. I'll give you an interesting stat because I pulled it up while we were talking here. Rudy shot 45 percent from three on five attempts in the bubble. Right. That's really good. That's really, really good. But last season, he still finished last in the NBA in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. And that's including all those games I just talked about. You remove those yeah. games, he was w even worse. He was still the worst, but even worse by a, by a larger margin. And if he's not, not knocking down three-point shots, he is the defensive liability at this point. You know, he gets caught ball-watching, guys, you know, cut back door, he loses them. He's not able really to to hang with faster guys like he used to be because that Achilles injury and age has sapped some of that mobility, that lateral movement. Um, and, and at the end of the day, his shot selection is still pretty bad. Like he's, he's kind of taken a little bit of that out of his game since coming to San Antonio. But I think that's always going to be a little bit of part of his, you know, his instincts is to yeah. score. 
And sometimes as a scorer, you're going to take bad shots. And with Rudy, that's what he was notorious for at the beginning of his career. He still shows that from time to time, taking tough mid-range jumpers, taking you know contested threes, really slashing to the rim is, to me, the best thing that he can do and taking open threes. But like I said, last season, the worst three-point shooter off a catch and shoot when he was wide open. I mean, that's not what you want to hear. So for me, Rudy can play a few games here and there and have some good games, but he is prone to injury. Um, and we see it with him all the time. He's really good at the start of seasons because he's had a ton of rest. He was really good in the bubble because he had time to recover and he had a ton of rest. But when that season, the grind of a 72-game, 82-game schedule happens, he slows down. He's less productive. His percentages go down. I just don't think they really have room for him on this roster anymore. And I'm I'm going to be real with you. I think he is going to continue to play about you know 18 to 20 minutes per game because Pop probably trusts him. But if I were Pop, I really don't have any reason to keep playing this guy because he's not part of the future. He's not really going to help you that much in the present. I think what he can do that is most helpful is do what DeMar and Patty are doing and impart his knowledge to the young guys. I say, yeah, he, just the, the thing that can make him most valuable to this team is just sharing his knowledge. You know, he's been in the NBA for more than a decade. That's value in itself. If he can just be a mentor and come in and play spot minutes when they need him in certain situations, I think that's. That's what's going to be best for the team. But again, I think Pop is going to look at him and go, I like vets. I trust my vet. I trust this guy. 20 minutes per game is pretty much the minimum I see from Rudy Gay, even if I don't want that to be the case. No, I, I agree. You know, and, and unfortunately, it's kind of like a look at look at your reflection in the mirror at this point. You know, see what you've become, Rudy. <laughs> it's right there in front of you. And, and I think he knows that, you know, but the issue is Coach Pop loves his vets. Uh, so as you stated, he's probably going to wind up getting maybe 18 minutes out there on the court, which Coach Pop should dial back those minutes, I think, a little bit more to get more life out of Rudy. You know, it is what it is at this point. And and I think that right there uh, kind of sums up what will happen, you know, as far as the upcoming season goes. It's going to be a, a healthy dose of what we kind of saw in the prior season. But we're hopeful that at least this coming season that we're going to be able to see some of the younger players get a little bit more run. And one of those younger players happens to just be Lonnie Walker, who's kind of been an enigma to me. I don't think Lonnie knows what Lonnie is right now because they don't really play him in a role, I think, that is conducive to his style of play. I think he gets kind of lost at times in the shuffle here in the offense uh, with the San Antonio Spurs. And we really don't know what he's capable of. We don't know what Lonnie's ceiling is. But when he's out there, he can make some spectacular plays. I mean, his athleticism is just off the charts. Every time he jumps up there and he has the ball in his hands, you think he's going to go and dunk the hell out of that ball. You know, and everybody, even the opposing team's bench, will just stop and look at him like, oh, my God, look at this kid, you know. But he has a ton of misses at the rim, you know, whether it be layups, yeah. whether it be dunks. I mean, he's fast. He's probably one of the quickest players we have out there on the court. You know, one of the most yeah. athletic players that we have on this team. I just don't think that the Spurs utilize him correctly. And again, you know, when they don't utilize him correctly, he's kind of lost. He doesn't really know what to do other than just play the role that he's called upon to play. And that's not his fault. That's just how he's utilized. I don't know how to correct that, Noah. What do you do to, to get the most out of Lonnie Walker? Yeah, and, and he may not want to hear this, and Spurs may not want to hear this either, but I think moving him to the second unit is where he's best served. 
you know, in the second unit and, and moving Keldon to the starting lineup, assuming everybody's healthy, right? And I think that helps him because then he only has Patty really to contend with for touches. And I know we talked about Rudy, he'll probably play, but think about it with Derek, DeMar, DeJounte, um, LaMarcus, those are all guys who, if they're getting the proper amount of touches, they're probably all averaging 15 points per game minimum. Where do you fit Lonnie in there? You know, I, I don't know. In the second unit, that's really not the same case. And I think he can take advantage of worse players, you know, going against other people's benches. And he can also take advantage of being more of a focal point of the office offense. And, um, <clears throat> you know, with Lonnie, I think he also has a little bit of untapped potential as a distributor, especially in transition. Maybe out of the pick and roll. I'm not really so sure. We didn't get a lot of possessions from him like that out of that set. So we'll have to see, you know, once we get a bigger sample size. But I really like Lonnie. I think he still has some, you know, untapped potential. But there are a lot of things he needs to work on. You know, first and foremost, shot selection for me. Shot selection is important. You know, not just the shots he takes, but the shots he doesn't take. Because sometimes he passes up shots when they're there and opts for another shot that maybe is a little tougher. He's got to work at finishing at the rim. You know, he can get there pretty much at will, but then he struggles to finish. And the last one is ball handling. You know, he's kind of loose with the ball. He doesn't have a very diverse dribble package. He's not going to throw you a lot of counter moves. He's got to improve that. You know, he has to improve that or he's going to get picked by a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, you know, a seven footer who has no business, <laughs> absolutely no business taking a ball from a guy who's six foot four, six foot five. So those are the things that I would work on if I'm Lonnie, but I still think he can have a really solid season. I still, I really do believe that though. I really have a lot of optimism and I think he can be solid this year. I hope so because he's one of my favorite players. I love to see Lonnie Walker when he's out there on the court. I get excited because I'm always interested to see what this kid's going to give me, you know, give the team, you know, and I, I have very good expectations as far as going into the season that hopefully uh, Lonnie Walker will will produce, you know, at a high level. I, I want to see him be successful out there. You know, it, it kind of pains me because he is one of these these first players out there where the ceiling is high for him, but you just don't see him utilized correctly. And to me, that's a disappointment. You know, not saying that Lonnie's a disappointment. No, the way that he's used on this team to me is disappointing. I, I would like to see him be utilized correctly and that way he can have a better season. And hopefully that that's going to be the case. You know, I'm going in hopeful, you know, and that's all we can do at this point is be optimistic about the upcoming season. Because realistically, we gave you the rundown uh, of almost every single person. The only other person that we did not talk about too much was one Yaka portal, which the San Antonio Spurs did sign in the offseason. You know, uh, they give him an extension and I don't think it was a bad deal. I think it was a very team friendly deal. I think, got, I think they really got a bargain in one Yaka portal. Uh, and it just shows me to, you know, at this point in time that he's happy here on this team. It, like he found us, he found himself a home and he likes being here in San Antonio. Um, so he gave us a discount and you, you, you just love a player like that. Uh, and let's face it. I think Jakob knows too. He's not going to be an all-star caliber player. He's a role player and he knows his role. And I, I would like to see him have a great season, you know, and I want to see to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Yaka, don't be afraid to dunk the ball, man. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that everybody was making fun of him for. Even Sean Elliott 
was calling him out. Dunk the ball, Jakob. Dunk the ball, Jakob. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with Jakob, it's almost like a little overblown because he's not a guy who has a ton of pop, right? He's not like a great vertical athlete. So he can't dunk every time, but at least finish a little bit better because he yeah. goes up a little tentative. Like even if you miss the dunk, draw a foul. And I know he's not a good free throw shooter, but if you draw a foul, it gets other people in you know, foul trouble. And for Jakob, this is going to sound super weird and maybe some fans remember him, maybe they don't. But I think if he modeled his game a little bit more after a guy like Andrew Bogut, he could be a really, really solid player. I mean, Andrew Bogut was a starting center for a Warriors championship team. And they remind me a lot of each other. Really good rim protectors, high basketball IQ, can find the open man, you know, average about two, three assists as a center. That's really good. And, and a guy who is going to get you a ton of rebounds, you know, maybe not the most aggressive offensive player but incredibly useful. So I think as in terms of like the most valuable assets on this team, Jakob's really underrated. I think he can be a really important glue piece that holds a championship team together. Spurs don't have that yet, but I think if you're looking at their assets just from, you know, what they can be, I think Jakob is really important to what they do going forward. Yeah. And you got to love his defense as well. You know, block a portal. He didn't get that nickname for nothing. He goes up there and he's not afraid to go ahead and block a shot. Um, and you just like what he is able to do in the open court as well. Again, I've already told you time and time again, when he's out there in the open court with these younger players, he's not the fastest guy out there, but he just seems to like that style of play. You know, it kind of suits him a little bit more. And you like the fact that when Jakob's out there on the court, he comes out and he helps his teammates. That's the one thing that I love about Jakob Portal. He don't even have to tell him. He just comes out and sets the pick, sets the screen really well. And he just knows where to go and who needs help. And that's one of the things that I, I love about Jakob Portal's game, that ability just to know that knack. I need to go help this guy because he needs a he needs me to set him a pick or I need to set a screen for so and so. Get him open to go ahead. And maybe, you know, one of the things I like to see sometimes the Spurs rarely do it. But when they set that double screen or they have almost a double pick that, you know, is going to be an easy two going to the rim because somebody got stuck. You know, they have a misassignment. And now you have an open man slashing to the rim. That's what I like. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but more than often that it does happen, it was because of one Yaka portal. Yeah. And, and I'm just excited to see what he can do because hopefully he gets a few more minutes this season. Maybe eventually he's the starter. You know, I think he got a bad rap in the bubble for not finishing, for getting into foul trouble. But I think it's an eight game sample size. We can't read too much into it. And Jakob's amazing. Like you said, sets really hard screens, really good screens. He can roll to the rim. He can protect the rim. He can find the open man. I just don't think there's a lot to to be upset about when it comes to Jakob. And he's one of my favorite players on the Spurs too. So I definitely want to see him succeed, just like I want to see everybody else on the Spurs succeed. Yeah, I do too. So there we go. We went ahead and gave you our our season preview for the upcoming 2020-2021 season. And as we stated, Spurs fans, just be optimistic. Just enjoy the fact that we're able to see Spurs basketball on the on the TV again. You know, we're not going to be able to be there right away and, you know, in person to go to the arena and watch games. But as the pandemic subsides a little bit, hopefully it will. Everybody will get their vaccines. We can have a sense of returning to normalcy again. And I think, you know what, Noah, I'm going to be honest with you. When Spurs fans are allowed to go back into the AT&T Center, I myself, too, I'm not going to take that for granted anymore. You know, it's, it's an experience yeah. that I think we all took for granted prior to the pandemic. Oh, we're going to go to a game. Well, we're going to go watch a game somewhere. And now it's going to be this, we're going to actually go watch a game. I'm excited. I'm like ecstatic 
to be out there with Spurs fans once again. So it's going to be a special moment for me when I'm able to go back to the arena, you know, the AT&T Center, should I say, and and take in a Spurs game. I'm, pro- I'm sure it's going to affect you the same way. For sure. And, you know, I haven't been to a Spurs game in a few years at the AT&T Center, at least, yeah. just because I don't live in San Antonio anymore. And, you know, it hurt me last season. I saw, you know, some of the stands were empty when they started losing and it wasn't as loud. But I think you're right. Fans are going to realize, hey, we took this for granted. They're going to show up. They're going to be loud. They're going to be proud. And, you know, I can't wait to go to another Spurs game at the AT&T Center because even I took it for granted a little bit. Right. So yeah. I just want to see it be loud in there. I want to see people on their feet you know, repping the Fiesta colors or the classic silver and black. So it's going to be great because I know it's a little while away and it may seem like it may be, you know, too far in the future to be excited for, but really it's not as far as it seems. You know, yeah. it really isn't as far as it seems with this vaccine on the way. And that's going to be a special day when Spurs fans can be at the AT&T Center wearing their Fiesta-inspired jerseys and see the yep. team play on that Fiesta-inspired retro court. I mean... We never thought this day would come. So it's going to be a surreal experience. It's going to be very exciting. And Spurs fans are probably just going to get up no matter what happened. Just the music, the nostalgia factor, you know, it's going to be one of those special moments that you're going to be able to share together. And and regardless of where the team record is at that point in time, that's a win for all of us as Spurs fans, you know. So as we bring this to a close, Noah, where can everybody follow you on social media? And also, more importantly, read all the articles that you write. You can follow me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. Um, you can find my, you know, my words for Pounding the Rock uh, at poundingtherock.com. Done doing a bunch of Spurs content there. So definitely check it out. And then last but not least, check out the At The Line podcast I do with my good buddy, Ty Yeager and Mac Pena, who's back, by the way, Spurs Nation. He is back. Check him out. He's going to be, you know, active on Twitter again. He's going to be on a podcast episode that's dropping pretty soon. Uh, But most importantly, thank you so much for bringing me on, Joe. It's always a blast talking Spurs basketball with you. Yeah, and we know what it's return to the Mac, so I got to get Mac and you and Ty (laughs) together once again. Uh, I love having Mac on. Mac's a cool person, man. I'm glad to see him back on Spurs Twitter. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's great. And, you know, I know everybody missed him, but we missed him more so than others (laughs) because he's he's an integral part of that podcast. So we're we're happy to have him back. Yeah, and you can also follow me at Two Shots Podcast, and it's all spelled out, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast. And I'd like to talk with you about, you know, just about anything that happens in the world of sports, Spurs basketball, and also I'm a big geek at heart, so I like talking pop culture, any new streaming uh, movies or a series, anime. I'm here for all of it, man. So go ahead and hit me up, and I'll be happy to talk with you. So for Noah Magaro George, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace. Peace.